Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I am really excited to be talking with Lindsay Jackman. Lindsay is um, the one of the event chairs for an upcoming event for an organization called The Family Place. The event that they're doing is the 2023 Texas Trailblazer Awards. And this is actually a little different than a lot of the other events that we do in that it's a luncheon and that it's held in the daytime. So, you know, one of the things we'll be talking a little bit about with Lindsay today is the difference between that and utilizing and doing an event in the evening. So with that, Lindsay, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Awesome. So if you wouldn't mind, um, would you be able to just, um, you know, give us a little bit of information about what the mission of the family place is and what you all do? Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, Rob, thanks again for having me. I'm excited. Um, And I will tell you a little bit about the the family place. I don't know if you know this, but one in three Texans will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. And that's one of the highest rates in the entire country. Um, And the Family Place is the largest provider of family violence services in Texas, working to build brighter futures for all survivors. Um, In fact, in 2022, we provided services to almost 20,000 people and their pets, too. Oh, and their pets. So (laughs) so when it's the family, I mean, it is the whole family. So animals are, you know, animals are welcome. And I know that... um, you know, I think that's a wonderful thing, you know, that you all add to include because because I know not necessarily every single um, domestic violence shelter organization is able to do that. So I think it's wonderful that you really do provide that because especially for a lot of people who suffer trauma and abuse, having their pets around is really kind of the main one of the main, if not the main source of comfort that they have. Exactly. And they don't want to leave their pets and they don't want to leave them in that situation. So we do have um, a whole really lovely shelter built out for them to keep um, dogs and cats comfortable uh, while people are staying, you know, on our properties. Oh, that's great. Because, you know, my burning question was, you know, how do you account for folks that may have allergies? So the fact that they're they're on site, they may not mm-hmm. necessarily be able to stay in the room for allergy reasons, but they are able to access them basically whenever they would like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's really wonderful. That really warms my heart to hear that. So it's such a great organization. Tell me a little bit about how you initially got involved with this organization, The Family Place. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I actually, I moved to Dallas. Um, The Wall Street Journal relocated me here in 2002. Um, I left the journal uh, and I actually became publisher of Modern Luxury Dallas Magazine back in 2009. Um, and during that time, I really got to be familiar with um, with the mission of Family Place with Paige Flink um, when she was CEO. And they asked me to co-chair Stiletto Strut with Jen Strauss and um, Stacey Gerard, now Stacey Rosansky, back in 2012. Um, so that's when we got everyone in Dallas to wear high heels and walk around downtown Neiman's and had an event that that benefited the Family Place, but also celebrated high heels. Um, and then fast forward, I joined the board of directors in late 2018, and this is actually my fifth full year on the board. Wow, that's great. So, you know, one question I have for you is, you know, what is what is the reason? Because, you know, it's some people will cycle on and off boards after like, you know, their two year stint. You've been involved with this organization really actively for a decade plus. What what about the family place has you keep coming back that you continually stay involved you know, for a really long period of time? 
Yeah. So the way I look at, I think it's, it's twofold. And that's a great question. Thank you. Um, one is that we can have two, you can serve on the board in two subsequent three-year terms. Um, so I'll be fulfilling that those two terms, um, and then I'll either roll to the foundation board or roll off. Um, but personally, I do have a connection to, to this cause. Um, I was in an abusive relationship. Um, and there was a lot of shame and stigma attached to it at the time. And I could have easily gone down the path, up down the path and married, um, my abuser and, and, you know, had a whole lifetime of that, but I didn't, I left. Um, and so I want, you know, I find it very, um, rewarding to help women, um, especially women in that situation, um, see that there's, there's light and hope on the other side of that. Um, and, you know, I just will also say that, you know, family violence knows no socioeconomic boundaries. I mean, it happens to everyone, your neighbors, you know, one in three, one in three, and not just women. Um, it's really so very prevalent and that's really what keeps me tied and so passionate about, about what we do. You know, I, you know, I'm glad that you brought, you know, brought up and thank you so much for sharing, you know, your personal connection and personal tie. And, you know, one of the things we talk about often on this show is, you know, for people to want to give to an organization, there has to be a certain, a certain personal tie to the organization. Now, you know, I'd like to ask you, if I may, you know, come, you know, what is the most rewarding thing for you? in terms of paying it for because really what I see you doing is you were in a situation that was really bad and really horrible and you were able to get out of it. And what I really admire about you is, is that you do pay it forward and because you, you understand how those people feel and you want to make sure that nobody else feels that way. So would you mind sharing a little bit more, you know, about, you know, your desire to pay it forward and what motivates you to do that? Sure. Um, you know, I think, so it's a gift to be able to give back in this way. It's a gift to be able to um, to really um, have a positive impact on the community. Um, and I've been involved in different uh, non nonprofits um, throughout Dallas in my in my twenty years here. And like being so involved is just such a part and a facet of the fabric of of, of our community. I can't imagine not being involved. Um, and specifically with the family place, um, knowing that 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 when I communicate it out to my networks and really raise the awareness for this mission for our events and drive those dollars into the doors that we're going to make um, make a positive, long lasting um, impact on on the lives of people who need our help the most, people who are suffering, people who are afraid, people who have children who are afraid, who are hiding in closets, who are fighting for their lives every single day. Um, because they're afraid of people that are supposed to love them and trust them and they're doing the wrong thing. Um, and, and women die, uh, especially women die of family violence every single day and, and month in our, in our city. And so being able to, to help influence this, um, on so many different fronts, because the work that the family place does is so multifaceted. It's really, it's really a gift. So what are some of the, you know, what are, let's talk before we talk about the event, you know, talk a little bit about some of those specific services that the family place offers to really allow not just individuals, but also families, you know, because a a lot of folks that you all take in, I know also have children in addition to pets, you know, talk a little bit about some of the services that, you know, that you offer, but allow people to really allow them to get back off onto their feet and maybe, you know, become a little bit less afraid. Sure. Yeah. Um, and thanks for that question. So 
Um, we have a hotline that's 24 seven that's manned, but with people who are, who are trained for that, that those types of conversations that are coming in of people in crisis. Um, last year we provided over 64,000 shelter days. Um, so we have various properties, um, that where we house people and, and make them feel comfortable and warm and so that they can really focus on, you know, starting their lives over. Um, we have transitional housing days. In fact, I think last year we provided 24,000 transitional housing days, um, counseling hours up to, I think was almost 20,000 counseling hours last year, uh, crisis and case management sessions. So, um, you know, providing people also too, with like short-term financial assistance, if they can't pay, you know, a, a utility bill, for example, or a credit card bill, we do have funds that, that are, um, we can be used for those types of things. And then, um, group sessions for batterers. So we don't, we, we focus on the victim, of course, but we also want to provide, you know, rehabilitative um, counseling for, for, for abusers themselves. And there's a lot of work too, that we're doing above and beyond um, on the public policy front. So in terms of lobbying, um, in terms of uh, working with the other inter interdisciplinary partners, like the Dallas police uh, department and and so many others throughout the community. And that's just scratching the surface of what we do. Well, I love that. And, you know, one of the things that, and especially, and I know you have a business background working at, you know, for, first for the Wall Street Journal, and then also working for, you know, working with LinkedIn currently, that, you know, I really like that, you know, how nonprofits and people with a business mindset don't always necessarily understand that. But nonprofits are not competition. And people have Nonprofits work with other nonprofits. They work with other organizations. They become more successful when they build in and they and they network. So I really thank you for you know stating and sharing you know sharing how important it is to deal with organizations like the police department and then as well as some other other crisis services that allow people to get back on their feet. Yeah, and a lot of the issues too that that stem from domestic violence are are interrelated with others. So. You know, I've also been involved in um, in charities that that are focused on, you know, abused children, for example. And abuse is not just doesn't just usually stop with the parent. You know, it definitely, you know, it, it affects others in the family. So a lot of it's interconnected. Oh, it totally is. And, you know, the needs for, you know, what you serve as the whole family, but ch children may have a specific need and partnering, you know, with a children's nonprofit can give them the additional services that complement what the family place offers. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, you know, it's really a wonderful organization. The fact that it's the largest one in Texas, you know, I wish we didn't have to have organizations like the family place, but it's, it's great to see that you all help, you know, help so many. And, you know, one of the things we're here to talk about today is, you know, your upcoming signature fundraiser to raise funds to really allow you all to continue that mission. So, you know, what the one thing and you all are, we've only had a couple of luncheons so far to date as guests on the show. So, you know, would you be able to talk a little bit about um, the difference between having an event that's during the day as well versus having an event that's in the evening and kind of how the, how putting that together is a little bit different. Mm, yeah, that's a good, great question. Um, well, I think there's a lot of similarities, you know, um, but from a differences and I can talk about those here separately, but you know, in terms of the, the differences, you're, you're really thinking about creating a, a whole experience, you know, from a 360 standpoint, from when people, you know, first get that first piece of, of direct mail or, you know, see it come up on their social channels 
to when they leave and they're at valet, you have to think about the experience and want to make sure that because it is during the day that it's efficient, you know, people want to get in and get out a certain amount of time. Um, generally we don't necessarily serve alcohol or we might have a bottle of, of white wine on the table, but it's not readily available. It's not the focus of the evening. There's no cocktail hour. And you have to think about, okay, how do we maximize our ability to raise funds? Um, but we don't have as much time and we may not have an auction, for example, we may not have the ability to do a call for cash. Although for trailblazers, we are going to do um, a, a call for cash, but you have to really think about the programming and the flow of the event um, and then, of course, the the you know our keynote, um, our guest speaker, if you will, you know, what does that look like? What are we you know providing from a value standpoint, from an entertainment angle for those who are attending? Um, and so we thought a lot about that. And also for for Trailblazers, it's really centered around an award, you know, and and we want to recognize people who have made an impact in the community and celebrate their work um, and and the influence that they've had um, on the cause, on raising awareness for the issue, and and just um, the community at large. So, you know, talk a little bit about, if you may, um, what the process is in selecting, you know, and selecting a recipient of that award each year and kind of what the organization and what the event committee looks for when they select an honoree. It's a really good question. Um, I will say that I'm so fortunate. Holly and I are so fortunate to work with the staff at the Family Place they are truly excellent stewards of the mission. Um, and I know that they have spent a lot of time and effort and energy really thinking about the most deserving recipients. Um, I can't share who is on the shortlist for this year, but I will say that they have impacted legislation that will have um, a huge, huge influence on, on our community for the good. Um, and they were really um, champions and very um, stalwart in their support um, of a bill that will have, again, really, really... Um, important impact uh to 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 survivors but also potential potential um victims so um but i know so much goes into that you know and thinking about the past year and and really like who was at the front lines who made um uh, you know who stood out from from an impact standpoint is what they look at but there's so many different factors and holly and i were just able to to think about you know, when they've got a couple of short list to say, you know, to provide our, you know, our two cents, if you will, just to make sure that we're, you know, we're on board and aligned with the decisions. That's great that the organization, to me, you know, any successful gala that I've ever been to, the chairs and the organization are simpatico. So I really appreciate you, you know, you saying that, you know, it's, it's not you and Holly Krug, who is your co-chair, walk in and say, we want to honor this person. And it's not the organization telling you this person has to be honored. It really is a process and it's a collaboration between multiple sides. Because for any fundraiser to work, you have to have engaged chairs. You also have to have an engaged board. And you also have to have a nonprofit that has a good relationship with both. And, you know, that that's one of the things about Family Place that's been so amazing over the years that I've seen that journey you know, covering many of the events that you all have covered is how well you do all work together and that there are folks like you or folks like Joyce Goss who are involved with it year after year for years, if not decades. Yeah, absolutely. We have the trifecta, I think, you know, uh, just a fabulous staff and CEO and then um, the board, the support of the board, which we we absolutely have. And then also, you know, Holly and I are are really engaged and we just, we love representing the, you know, the family place and we'll do anything we can to make this event successful. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And is there a piece of advice you might want to give to someone who has a nonprofit where maybe all three, you don't have the trifecta? What's a first step that some, you know, an organization or a board, you know, a board chair or an event chair can take to really help facilitate that, that great um, trust triangle, we'll call it? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, I feel like and I use this in um, in my own career and professional life as well. But I have to. I it's it's about being willing to be pleased. You know that get walking into the situation, knowing you're open minded. You know you want to work well with the staff. Um, and also, it's about really um, thinking through your own capacity and ability to fulfill your commitment, and knowing really what's involved. Um, and being involved in in you know putting together a big event like this. Um, it takes months and sometimes a year, which Holly and I have been planning for over a year. It takes hours. It's a marathon. You know, it's every week we have calls and um, we, you know, right before I went for a family vacation, I signed 1500 letters in in two days. <laughs> that's, so I mean, That's a commitment. Yeah, exactly. So really it's examining your own capacity and and being honest and realistic in what you can give and being upfront as you take on that commitment or you don't. You say, you know what, I'd love to do this, but this isn't my year. You know, plan a couple of years in advance. I already am thinking about what the, you know, what the next frontier is from a um a, an event leadership standpoint. You know, I think it's really being being really honest with yourself and with the organization. That's great. And I really like that you, you know, you just, you mentioned in one of the things you said that just because you say no, not right now, it may be good for next year and that you're always thinking about what, how can I help and make the most impact? And I think sometimes where some people struggle with nonprofits is they feel that they have to do everything immediately at one time and then they get overwhelmed and they get burned out. And yeah. you can tell that you think very thoughtfully of, I can contribute this now and then next year I can contribute this and two years from now I can contribute that. And it allows it to be a marathon as opposed to a hundred yard dash, because if you run lots of hundred yard dashes in a day or in a row, you're going to get tired out. Whereas a marathon, you've got to pace yourself. So I think that's some really sage advice. Thank you. Yeah. And as a working mom, I have no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get and understand that. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, because the family place really does have such a devoted following and you all really do have great signature events, you know, that go to many different tentacles of the community. And I think the family place is probably one of the best organizations in Texas to do that. You know, with your event, I know it is one of the, if not the most popular luncheon in Dallas each year. What can, it, you know, what do you think the secret is to, creating such a devoted following that has people that want to come back year after year after year? Mm, that's a good question. You know, I think it's a matter of, I think it's multifaceted. You know, I think that um, it is the mission, you know, just the, the pervasive nature of domestic abuse and, and the awareness in the community for the issue. That's first and foremost. I think it's about, um, just communication and cultivation of that donor database and all of those those tentacles, like you mentioned, over time. Um, just you know, decades of of being in the community, being consistent voice for the issue, um, and being very visible. I think from a um, you know communications and public relations standpoint, making like a huge um, effort to be there, top of mind when you know things happen in our society at large. You know, not just here in Dallas, but of course also here in Dallas. 
um, to be that voice um, for for the issue. And then just, you know, um, surprising and delighting people when they attend our events um, and making them feel good when they leave, knowing that they did make you know, an impact, even if they gave $100 or came as someone's guest, but now they can talk about the event and spread the word for what we do um, with their own personal networks. I mean, you can really make an impact in so many ways, not only just by, you know, charging your credit card with a donation, you know, there's just so many ways to get involved. But I think we've just done that really, really well um, year after year after year. That's really great. And it's, you know, it's, like you said, really the metaphor, I think, for this episode is really it's a marathon and it's just making sure that you're continually doing the work and that it's not these births that you have to do everything at once. It's sometimes good to roll things out over time because it allows you to maintain a top of mindness as opposed to rolling everything out in a perfect package, you know, in the beginning. And you mentioned something in your response about networking. And, you know, I wanted to talk about that and about you personally, because you're a busy professional. You know, you've got a lot going on. You're a mom as well. And you're also actively involved in your community. How do you think being involved in giving back helps a person's career from a networking perspective? Um, in so many ways, and tangible and intangible. You know, um, I, I think, and I thought about this early on, it's just a matter of like, like I said, like being, it's being open-minded and you're going to get out of something what you put into it. So I make a concerted effort when I, you know, I join a board or I start um, engaging with an inner an organization to make sure I connect with them, like on pla on platform LinkedIn, for example, um, just to make sure I'm connected, understand, you know, what, what their career and what their background is, uh, maybe people that we know in common and kind of tuck that into the back of my mind. But I do this with, with a rigor, you know, so I truly know like all of my colleagues on, on the board, for example. Um, and then I really listen. I attend board meetings in person. I listen to what people have to say. I, I network and I engage during those events that we have for board board meetings. And it just helps broaden my horizons in terms of who I know in the community, who I might tap for something in the future. Um, knowing that, you know, um, a colleague, Tom McCollum on the board, for example, owns an Audi dealership. You know, I've got a friend looking for an Audi. Just connecting people in an organic way knits you closer together and knits you deeper into that community. And I think helps you get the most out of, um, you know, being, being involved. Um, and I'm just really, um, I think I'm very like disciplined in, in from a networking standpoint. And it just has always benefited me in, in, in just so many ways. That's awesome. And what I love, you know, especially with the example with the Audi dealership, I love because to me, a good networker is a good dot connector. And mm -hmm. that really is what separates an, you know, an adequate networker from, you know, a really good one. Um, you know, one thing I was hoping that maybe you could elaborate a little bit on is what's a piece of advice you would give to somebody who maybe is afraid to join a nonprofit or afraid to join their first committee or afraid to join their first board to get them over, you know, get them over that hump to really realize they can really make a positive impact in their community? Yeah, um, I really encourage, you know, first time potential board of director uh, members to to meet with the CEO of the organization to have an honest conversation, you know. Right understand their vision, you know, and, and does that, does that, how does that sit with you? You know, does it sound, what is the, what is being a board member, you know, really, really, what is it like, you know, also talk to current board members, talk about, you know, how do you get back? You know, what's your role on the board? How have you been involved in committees? What type of time commitment is it? What do you get out of it? You know, 
Have you met wonderful people through it? I mean, just asking questions, being engaged. Um, I think understanding that the leadership's point of view on, on really what, you know, the, those responsibilities of the board member, and then really being honest with yourself on where you can contribute. Because like I said, it, it may not be the right time now, but you know that you're attracted to the cause and down the road you want to get involved. I think it's fine to say that. You know, I've I've graciously declined invitations to join boards, but said, you know, tap me in two years. Um, I think so. I think it's just, again, I think it's having that dialogue, being open and being honest. Well, I love that how you say no doesn't mean no forever. No means no, not right now, yeah. because, you know, really what you're saying in a really nice way is I only want to be involved with your organization if I can give 150%. And I think that's really important, you know, for people, you know, for people to realize, you know, that time is finite and you want to make sure that you're maximizing, you know, the maximum amount of time, you know, while you're here. And, you know, I wanted to go back a little bit to the event and, you know, you all have a really amazing, awesome special guest this year and, you know, someone who's really, it's a cultural icon in Brooke Shields. What, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how the organization goes about selecting a particular person to headline, you know, an event. And with a luncheon, I have always found that the luncheons that do the best usually will have some type of substantive draw. I've actually been to a luncheon in Austin where Brooke Shields was actually a guest. So, um, and it was a draw and it was a really big year for the organization. So can you, can you elaborate a little bit on kind of what the, what the process is of how an organization picks the right guest for the right time? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I think there's three or four key things. One is that we've worked with the Speakers Bureau because they do have access to, um, you know, to, to people, celebrities, if you will, or notable guests, potential guests. Um, I think it's um, people and celebrities since COVID are, are are less inclined, less interested in, in speaking like, you know, in events like ours. So that is something that that's why, you know, having that speaker, that agent that can go and, and speak to them on your behalf is really important. So that's step and key number one, the second is start planning early. I mean, since day one, I mean, even I think a year or possibly more out, you know, Holly and I were thinking and working with the family place and their incredible development team about, you know, who we want, what the message is that we want to, to have people walk away with. So that's number two, start planning early. Three is making sure that you can, you have a PL for the event that can support the investment of a, of a, you know, um, a noteworthy speaker, uh, guest. And then lastly, and this is so important and Holly and I, um, it was a little nerve wracking, but I'm really glad that, that we didn't settle. You know, we had the opportunity to pick, to choose someone that, that would be, I think that would be very good, but not necessarily a draw, not necessarily a big name or not necessarily really, um, turn heads. Um, when we talk about the event and we know that Brooke Shields will. So it's those four things, I think, you know, work with the speakers bureau, plan early, Make sure your PL can support it and don't settle. Well, and I, I th that's the part that I think is really important. It, it, I think the fourth one's really important, but I think the third one is just as important because it really is about a return on investment. Mm -hmm. Is spending the money to have Brooke Shields as a guest, is it going to facilitate either more sponsorships or more ticket sales? And someone like her, the answer is almost invariably going to be yes. And you're going to get your return on your investment, you know, your investment out of that. So I think those are four really, really excellent points. And while we're on the subject of Brooke, what is a piece of advice you would give to an organization that has to engage with a celebrity or another high profile person at their event? Um, 
I think, I think it starts with the mission, you know, just to make sure that you have that personal connection to the mission that you're passionate about it. So you can speak naturally and you want to, you want to be able to have it um, sprinkle it into conversation with your friends and your professional colleagues and your, you know, you're with your network and you want to do it organically. Um, you know, understanding the capacity of the staff is really important. You know, you gonna be working with people that have the time and the space to help you succeed, um, you know, with, with, the, with the event. Um, and then again, like I said, I think that's a theme is understanding and being honest with, with your own capacity. Um, and then sharing with a friend, you know, it's been wonderful to do, to chair an event with Holly. We've been, she was my first friend in Dallas. We've been friends for um, almost, I think, actually coming up on over 20 years, actually. Um, and it's fun. And we divide and conquer a bit and we have different networks, but um, there's a lot of um, ways in which we complement each other. And so that's been really rewarding. And I would highly recommend um, for your first time sharing with a friend. That's really good. And what I like about that is because a great event always has a great mix of people. And I love how you mentioned you your best friends, but you've each got your own, you've each got your own network and you're able to really bring good, fun mixes of people that really kind of helps elevate the event. It gets it to broader communities and it also allows people to have a mix of familiar faces and new faces, which is really, you know, the hallmark for a great event. Yeah. And then just, you know, a sounding board and then the, the dividing and conquer piece, conquering piece is really important. Again, <laughs> two working moms, um, you know, co-chairing, it's really important that you can kind of split up some of the, some of the work. That's really important. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that you, you brought that up and really kind of understanding what each of your two individual strengths are so that you're, you know, you're each doing kind of your, what makes you each strongest. And it really creates really, it allows it to kind of butterfly into really a wonderful event. And while we're on that subject, tell us a little bit about what guests can experience at this year's Texas Trailblazer Awards. Okay. Um, so we don't necessarily have the flow nailed down yet, but we're close. Um, but it's going to be, uh, of course, September 29th at the Anatole. Um, we will have um, some mixing and mingling when you first walk in. We'll have, um, I believe we're going to have a, a seated uh, plated lunch, um, when you sit, so there won't be a lot of, um, you know, staff kind of, of flowing in and out. Um, but then we'll go right into the program, which will include the trail, the, some opening remarks, the trailblazer award recipient to be acknowledged. Um, then I think we'll have a break and then we'll have, uh, Shelly Slater and we'll, she will come out and introduce Brooke Shields. It will be a conversation with her, um, between, uh, Shelly, who is a wonderful, wonderful, um, interviewer and then with Brooke, um, and possibly there, there might, there's potential for, for, um, a, a surprise celebrity, uh, guest, but we'll have to see how that pans out. The potential <laughs> for a special guest yes. star. I love it. Yes. We'll see though. We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, so it would really be a conversation versus a keynote, you know, but really, um, hearing, Brooks uh, experiences and her words of wisdom and advice for women and for and for people just looking to um, to live life to their fullest. That's fantastic. And you actually you threw in another great efficiency piece when you were talking about the flow of the program. And that is especially for a luncheon when you're forsaken for time, having the lunch already kind of on the table. And that's usually going to be in the form of a salad or something that can mm -hmm. be served, you know, cold. It really allows things to flow really efficiently. So that's, you know, I I'm really glad that you brought that up. And that really is a, you know, a way to 
really help make things more efficient. So, well, you know, we're, we're really excited for you guys. It sounds like this is really going to be a great and banner year for the organization. So, you know, I really, really, really appreciate the time, Lindsay. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Rob. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And the 2023 Texas Trailblazer Award benefiting the family place and featuring Brooke Shields will be on October 10th, 2023 at the Hilton Anatole in Dallas, Texas. For more information, please visit familyplace.org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care. <laughs>